0: Welcome. Thanks for joining. I have a couple of important updates for regular listeners, so I encourage you to stick around for a minute or two as this message has changed. As usual, if you're new to Imposters Anonymous and haven't listened to the very brief intro to the podcast, I encourage you to pause and do so now. It's technically the first episode and provides some helpful context about the nature and aims of this project. For newcomers, I think this primer is pretty invaluable, especially considering how this podcast differs from most. Moving on to the new There's been some developments in how I intend for this project to exist in the world. As some of you already know, I've elected not to extend this project to any social media platforms, as they continue to present uniquely severe and confounding barriers to communicating effectively and objectively. The jury is more than out on the dangers of the double-edged sword that is social media, and though I could spend hours on this topic, and maybe will at some point, I'll save everyone the headache and simply say I've concluded that it's best for me to keep my distance altogether even if only in an attempt to prioritize my mental health. That being said, social media remains the most effective way to promote a podcast, or virtually anything for that matter. Considering that I would like this podcast to grow and reach as broad an audience as possible, the decision to abstain may prove to be foolish. But even so, it's the path I've decided to take. That being said, I believe I've found a suitable alternative which will allow for this project to grow and expand its collaborative potential without resorting to an ad-based model. I've started an Imposters Anonymous Substack, which will, in time, feature commentary on each episode, my supplemental writing and thoughts, and maybe most notably a blend of anonymously submitted art, opinions, and various offerings from fellow members of the Imposters Anonymous community. This can be found at impostersanonymous.substack.com, and there's a link in the show notes as well. Subscribing will sign you up for an ongoing newsletter and give you access to the primary content, which is, to be clear, totally free if you're unsure about whether or not you'd like to fully support this project or don't feel like it's financially feasible for you. I'd like to keep all of my content optionally free for as long as I can, but if you do derive meaningful value from Impostors Anonymous and have the means to support it, I ask that you earnestly consider doing so for the cost of a decent cup of coffee a month. The ultimate aim of this project is to create a space where individuals feel compelled to overcome their insecurities and inhibitions entangled with their identity so that they can more truthfully share themselves with the world and I hope that resonates with enough people that I can garner the necessary support to continue to be able to make this happen, in lieu of growing costs and time requirements. Of course, I'd love to be able to spend the better part of my days engrossed in this project, and continue to deliver higher quality, more thought-provoking content to my audience. And in time, I'd even like to be able to pay out the brave imposters who submit their work. But as I've said before, this project will only go as far as the audience takes it, and that's quite exciting, while also a bit terrifying. As a final note on this front, I know that due to the ubiquitous influence and spread of social media, YouTube, and Google, we've all grown accustomed to receiving the majority of our daily content for free. Though recent developments like The Social Dilemma are starting to raise the societal awareness of the hidden cost built into a business model where the perceived customers are in fact the product, we're still left with a media landscape that isn't conducive to electively supporting the strain of content that reflects the sort of world we'd like to live in. That being said, most of us are totally on board with opting into Spotify or Netflix for the ad-free value they bring to our lives, regardless of how we feel about the aims of these organizations or the opportunity to actually be a stakeholder in the content they produce. And to be honest, I think it's quite the bargain considering what these companies offer. I simply ask that if the nature of this project compels you and you derive meaningful value from these conversations, you consider subscribing and contributing to the project, regardless of whether or not you choose to support financially. I believe we all have hidden projects, recordings, notebook doodles, opinions, poems, and all things of the sort, and for every reason from a bit of shyness to utter self-hatred, we've talked ourselves out of sharing them with the world. In short, I'd be honored to help you take that leap. No strings attached. Your perspective is valuable. I truly believe that. And on that note, I hope you enjoy this episode, and thanks for giving this a shot
1: you don't know how lucky you are being a
2: monkey. The past is just a story we tell ourselves. I am the smartest man alive! How do we know if uh, we're in control?
0: Welcome to Imposters Anonymous, Cornelius. Thanks for coming on.
1: Hey man, I'm glad to be here. Really excited to have the privilege to talk to you.
0: Yeah I, yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, how you feeling, man?
1: Uh, to be honest, a little tired. A little <laughs> tired. It's been, a, it's been a crazy 24 hours. Yeah, but no, nah, I'm still showing up, so I'm ready. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a good problem to have to be busy. Yeah, man, I I I I love it. I thrive on getting stuff done, man. So mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I, was, I was particularly excited for this one just because, in a lot of ways, we we don't really have many priors here, and I, a lot of my guests in the past I've had relatively close relationships with. A lot of, I feel like there's a, there's an understanding there, and and for me, I don't know you particularly well, and all I really know is the surface, which I always find interesting to kind of see how that maps onto reality. And so I I know one really important thing about you, and that's that's your message. And that's part of the reason that, that we're here right now. so to kind of jump right into it, for anyone who I guess I guess everyone who isn't aware you matter. That's something you put out there in a, in a big way. It's on your hoodie right now. Uh, just to start,
1: what does that mean to you? man so great question. it, it means everything. Um, there was times in my life that I, I honestly didn't feel like I mattered. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like my life mattered. I didn't feel like I had direction and all those things. And I -hmm. I, I never forgot how that felt. And this message just resonates with me personally. It keeps me, a lot of the messages that I put out are honestly for me, Mm -hmm. you know, constant reminders that my life has ultimate value and I'm actually the decider of that. Mm -hmm. So that's the message is, I I know it's powerful. It sparks conversations everywhere I go. And obviously we can't talk like we used to, Sure. but people are pointing at my shirt mm-hmm. and just like, yeah, Hey, thanks. You know? Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And I think as I mentioned earlier, you it's, it's a simple message. It's two words, right? It, it doesn't get more direct or, or minimalist, but it's, it's simple. It's powerful. And obviously it, we're here talking and, and that's largely the reason why. So I think that immediately kind of speaks to speaks to the message and its effect. Um, But at the same time, something that kind of struck me as I started to think about it, I was thinking, okay, given the current cultural climate and maybe even the political climate to some extent, it could be considered a little bit controversial or a little bit, uh, I guess, just divergent from from the the mainstream way of thinking about things. And I was curious, as you just kind of spoke to, you see a lot of people, you get a lot of positive feedback out in the world. Is that something? Do you do you feel like you meet resistance,
1: or is it generally you, you see a positive response? So for the most part, I see positive response, mm-hmm. and, and I love the question because it, it reminds me of probably maybe ten times where mm-hmm. I've had someone you know look at it and, and kind of frown.
2: Right. Um, I'm
1: really big on acceptance, and I believe that we don't accept things that we don't understand. Mm-hmm. So I always tell people to get understanding. I had I had an older woman follow you know talk to me at the airport, uh sorry at the uh, post office. Mm-hmm. And she was like, hey, what does that mean? And I told her, and her whole mood changed. She says, oh, mm-hmm. I love that. I explained to her. I said, hey, this is about individual value, individual mm-hmm. people. It's not, it's not a cultural thing. It's not, it's not one race. It's not one gender or mm-hmm. anything like that. It's everybody. Right. And she changed her whole tune. Mm-hmm. So that's the message. It's, 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 it's for everybody. But I have – because I, I started talking about it in April – So Mm -hmm. it was right when the pandemic hit. It's right right when the riots hit. And it was Mm -hmm. almost like, hey, you're going against. Right. Like, it's almost like we all matter when people Mm -hmm. were saying that. And it Mm -hmm. was like, no, it's totally different. So I'm a pretty strong guy, though. So, (laughs) you know, I deal with the adversity a little bit. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's definitely
0: one facet of it that I feel like, you know, we can't just hop over that there's by nature, it's going to be a little bit conflated with a lot of the, I guess, I don't know, you can maybe call it political slogans as you're saying you know all lives matter and and how that the timing of it maybe as you speak to it now was a little bit confusing for some that they were thinking okay what is this maybe some type of protest to to this protest or that kind of you know stuff that you see out there and obviously it's not that once you look at it and Mm -hmm. and if anyone allows you to explain yourself or or speak to it uh, and i think the fact that that's a default that some people have to jump to, I, I think that's just really unfortunate, you know? I mean, obviously you have sympathy for anyone who who to some extent misunderstands in a genuine way, but at the same time, I think it's something that's becoming harder and harder to do in regards to just giving people the benefit of the doubt. You know, assuming that when you have something that says you matter, to me that's an obviously positive message, right? You know, right. Like telling people that they have value, that they have worth, right. that that is unconditional. At base, to me, it feels uncontroversial. At base, to me, it feels like such an important message. But at the same time, it's it's weird that we've gotten to a place where unconditional love, in a way, is a very controversial thing. Where you're saying, okay, this, this goes out to everyone. And I don't think everyone necessarily... And it may be something that you think about. So maybe I'll feel it more as a question. But my understanding is that it really is unconditional. And so at the same time, it's saying, okay... These people across the aisle, you matter. You know, these people, let's take it to an extreme. The people at the Capitol a few weeks ago, they also matter. And that's hard for some people to say. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to acknowledge that even what you often might consider your enemy, what you might consider your adversary, uh, someone that you feel like you can't understand at all, what's motivating them, that they still matter at base. Is that is that something you come across or something that you think about?
1: all the time um, i think my message is rooted in love and when something's rooted in true love mm-hmm. it it sits back and it doesn't judge even even when the behavior doesn't align with mm. how we feel in this world you know it's coming from somewhere so the level of compassion even for people who are doing things that just don't make sense to me mm-hmm. i'm i'm going to sit with it i'm going to i'm going to follow the story mm-hmm. i'm going to try and see hey well right. how did they get here because it could be me Mm-hmm. next, I, I I may need that same benefit next year. Mm-hmm. So I'm willing to give it to them now. Mm-hmm. Am I, am, am I, I'm always right about it? No. Um, was that uncomfortable at mm-hmm. the Capitol? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they have a story, they have a reason. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's just how I look at it. I look at that with everyone.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I know that we, we sometimes talk about stories and we talk about, having someone change their perspective. Mm-hmm. If they've been carrying that perspective for 20 years, it's hard for maybe us to get them to change in 20 mm-hmm. hours. Right. And so that's the way I look at it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, it's it's interesting and it's, it's definitely complicated, you know, cause it, it's something I talked about, uh, I guess a couple episodes ago with, with Jackie that it's, she found herself in a place this past year where it was this kind of, tr- this crisis of, of truth where, you find yourself in this space where you feel so far removed from so many other people, and it, it almost seems unprecedented in that sense. And I'm I'm sure it's not. A lot of things feel bigger than they are probably right now because of social media and the way the technology is evolving. But at the same time, it's like it, it's hard to feel that disconnected from from half of the country, right? If, if we're we're painting it in such clear lines that even when you you try to have a real sense of empathy. But at the same time, it's just when there's, when you're not even necessarily working with the same same principles or same sets of facts, it gets so difficult, right? Where where everyone's kind of working in this alternate reality to, from each other that it, it just becomes harder and harder to to practice what you're preaching, you know, to, to really look at everyone and say, regardless of their actions, regardless of their politics, regardless of their race, regardless of, you know, all these things that, there's an argument there, but I would say maybe you're on the surface uh, compared to what we are as beings and to just say, can we put that aside and still say that they matter even if it doesn't mean. It's not to say that we should, you know, not to some degree pressure them to to do better or to uh, to challenge them and to challenge people who we, we don't agree with and, and to engage them. It's not saying to to necessarily just be like, all right throw your hands in the air and there's nothing we can do, but to still acknowledge their value is just an an increasingly harder thing, at least for me to do, even though I I hold the perspective that it seems as though you hold as well, you know?
1: So I'll say this and and there's days where I fail Mm -hmm. and I go home and I'm like, dude, you, you, You messed up. You you were judgment. (laughs) You were judging everybody that was doing the things that you don't that you agree with. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I I just know that for a fact. Humans are going to do human things, Mm -hmm. and we're just not. We we are also different. And you hit it on the like Facebook is feeding Mm -hmm. different lines to different people of information. Right. If you don't have the capacity to see that, you're going to act out on that. Mm -hmm. But I'm great. I'm glad that I have the data. I know that's happening, Mm -hmm. so I can see why some people are acting the way they do. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, if my, if my goal is just to add value and champion people, it, it takes practice, but I'm, I'm really working on that. Mm-hmm. I'm really working on the message and it's, it, right. it really is all people. Mm-hmm. So. Right.
0: Yeah. And one thing on that front, I was a little bit curious about is kind of how that message relates to, I guess, once you take it a step further, where it's like, okay, even if we can agree, you matter. That's unconditional. It doesn't matter who who's on the other side of that. But then, to me, the next logical step is you, what you have to say also matters. You know, your perspective also matters. And I guess that's, if the segue isn't clear already, that's part of the reason I really wanted to have you on the show, because that, at base, is, is what the show is all about, is that every perspective that's out there matters. And, and all these other immutable qualities, the surface level labels, they don't matter as much as the fact that every individual has unique value to bring to the table. They've lived a life that brought them here somehow. And there's a lot of things that they aren't even responsible for, but but they're here and they matter for that. Um, but as that relates to kind of a lot of these more current issues of, of freedom of speech and freedom of expression, that I feel like it's one thing to acknowledge people's value. But then I feel like with that comes well, your perspective also does. So so you you can have a voice what you have to say uh, is, is also valuable and matters. And I think that's where it gets even tougher for people is to say I, that I should, you know, not only acknowledge their value, but also listen to them. And I wonder if that's something that you a, either have faced some pushback on or or struggle with yourself to to not only acknowledge value, but also listen and, and engage with people that, that you feel very removed from and what they're saying.
1: So, yeah. And, and there's a quote out there by Abraham Lincoln who says that I can learn from anyone, mm. no matter the age, no matter the lifestyle, I can learn from anyone. And I really apply that. But I'll say this, there's times where I don't do well at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody does have value in what they have to say. Um, it's hard because society has put value based on title,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, credibility, um, achievement, You know, right. um, privilege. It, mm-hmm. it just depends. But I, I just believe that everybody deserves at least to speak their, their voice. Mm-hmm. Will, will that apply to every room? No. But their voice matters. Mm-hmm. It, it it just does. And right. it, it, I don't know how to put it any other way. And it may not be that that person is going to go to a room and speak in front of a thousand people. It may be them just being able to, their voice bringing them alive mm-hmm. and letting them live their truth, just individually for their family maybe. Right. That, that's important. You know, there's there's times where you don't have voice in your home, mm-hmm. let alone in the city or school or workplace. Right. So I think it's just giving people the empowerment to know that they have the right to speak up. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think it brings up an interesting point about how I feel like sometimes it's, it's difficult for people to acknowledge. I guess maybe a different way of putting this would be it's difficult for people to acknowledge the value in opinions that they don't agree with that even if it's if it's radical if it's it's totally off the wall and you feel like there's there's minimal value there it's still valuable to understand at least to me the spectrum to really see how far things go and even if it you feel very detached from it to understand okay there's people that feel this way and there's got to be a reason as you kind of spoke to and that somewhere in the middle is maybe where you lie but at the end of the day if we lose sight of what that spectrum really is and we start to think that it's condensed, that's how you get a bubble, right? That's, that's how you start to feel as though everyone, everyone who's reasonable, everyone who has a certain level of intelligence or everyone who has a certain uh, alignment with you is, is right in here with you and anything outside of that, there must be something wrong with them, you know? And and so if you stop being exposed to the full spectrum of opinions, A, it's it's harder for you to defend what you believe and to understand your beliefs, but it also just, you start to lose a high fidelity picture of, of what what life is really like for m- most people around you, or even, even if it's not most, it's just, it, it, we live in a very diverse country. And I think sometimes that isn't, I think in principle, it's clear. People know that America is a melting pot, but a lot of times it's, people do live in their bubbles. And even if it's not, it doesn't feel like a bubble, like maybe it's not a a racial bubble, but maybe it's a socioeconomic bubble or maybe it's a political bubble. There's lots of different ways that you can insulate yourself from people who are different. And uh, it's something I I struggle with all the time. I I actually talked about in the last episode where there's this weird, it's not a paranoia, but it's something I sometimes worry about where it's like at the end of the day, it feels good to be around like-minded people. It feels good to to be around people that you feel like understand you and that mesh with you and that you vibe with, but I sometimes worry if that's if that appeal is too strong, that kind of natural inclination to just gravitate towards those who have very similar qualities to you and who see the world in a similar way and to have that kind of very repulsive kind of reaction to anyone who's outside of that, even if it's more so in the extreme that it's just the way that we almost are naturally operating. It's, it's almost conducive to creating a tribe, right? Uh, That's kind of where tribalism comes from. And in a way it's not to totally rehash it, but there's this kind of conventional wisdom of like, find your tribe. Right. And that seems like a very positive thing. And in some ways it is right. But at the same time, it's like, does that, does that create a bubble? Does that insulate you too much? And does that cause you to lose sight of, of what value might be, Outside of that,
1: yeah, uh, wow, that's a difficult question because I say tribe all the time. I, 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 I don't have a. I, don't, I have a lot of friends, mm-hmm. but I have a, a close group that mm-hmm. I'm close with, um, and I need them. I mm-hmm. need to lean in with them sometimes. I need to unpack with them sometimes, um, and they allow me to do that. Mm-hmm. We all need that. But there's this. You, you talked about the exposure. Mm-hmm. You have to have exposure right. to that which is different from you. To understand, or you mm-hmm. just can't. And the longer you're in your little bubble, you know, right, the more comfortable you become. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a great point. And I I have a lot of people who don't look like me, but feel comfortable asking me questions. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the biggest questions is like, yo, how do I get out of this bubble? Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. Like, right. like I'm a suburban white mom. I mm-hmm. want to. I want to. Right. But I, I'm scared. Mm-hmm. You know. And I'm like, don't be scared. Just jump out there, and you're gonna get some stuff wrong. Mm-hmm. But so are they. Yeah, (laughs) like, like it's funny how we, we, the judgment of how, how it's supposed to look or feel, Mm -hmm. no one really knows all the answers. And I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm big on that. Like who made you to judge or who made you the person that understands all this to be right or wrong. And I just, I just, I think grace and compassion is so important Mm -hmm. in this time, but being aware, just being aware. Like I, again, I have a tribe, Mm -hmm. but I'm very aware that there are people different from me Mm -hmm. and I seek them out. I, I do wacky things. I go to wacky places that really don't interest me, but there's people that are different from me mm-hmm. and, and I learn from them. And that's, that's my, that's my blueprint. Not mm-hmm. everybody's going to be a little bit different because it is uncomfortable.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, oh, I mean, it, it makes sense. And I think it's, it brings up an interesting point that I feel like maybe I can relate to in some extent that to, to some extent where I think there's a lot of people out there as you kind of spoke to that aren't really sure what to do right now, and obviously that's a that's a vague thing to say, but in a sense of like maybe they feel like they have a bubble right maybe they they can acknowledge um they can acknowledge and I'm putting air quotes that no one can see but they can acknowledge not acknowledge their privilege, they can acknowledge their bubble, they can acknowledge certain things, but they're not really sure how to move forward where um and maybe they turn to someone like you and say. Hey, you seem to have a decent grasp on these things, or uh, you're not someone who looks like me. Can you help me with that? And it's some—it's sometimes something that I struggle with because I've been in some of these conversations, and I think everybody right now wants to know. Maybe not everybody, but and maybe more so even last year, especially in regards to a lot of the the racial tensions that that have been going on in this country, where people who, who maybe were blind to certain things, and because of this kind of cultural awakening of sorts, that it was all pushed to the forefront. There's a lot of people who just have a lot of questions and don't really know what they ought to do. And a part of me wants to, wants to be helpful on that front, wants to give insight uh, because of my very diverse and kind of ambiguous background, but at the same time, a part of me also wants to say, I'm not an expert here. You know, yeah. if, if you're, if you're thinking that I'm an expert just because of the way that I look, right? Yeah, that yeah. that's yeah. losing the idea. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and, and sure that I feel like it's not trying to like take the high ground there, but it's like, I feel like everyone should, I'm never going to discourage asking questions. And if people want to have a conversation, I'm totally open to that, but I'm always wary of a situation in which people feel like they can't ask questions or be a part of the conversation or speak their mind just because they don't check a certain box. And so it's not like I want to tell people, Oh, just figure it out on your own. Uh, Because there's some of that. And part of it is because I don't have all the answers. I don't, I don't represent, right. uh, You know, I I don't represent anybody. I, I don't feel like I do. And, maybe that's a unique perspective that I have to some extent because my background is so diverse that uh, I feel like I've always had a different relationship with my racial identity and my identity as a whole than most people. Um, But I feel like I, I have the urge to just kind of encourage people to try to work it out themselves and to try to just ask questions and be curious and hopefully put themselves in front of people who will give them the benefit of the doubt and will allow them to to make mistakes and, and say things that are wrong and uh, hopefully be able to to move forward and just learn as they go. But it doesn't seem as though that's necessarily the way that is is commonly accepted or put forward, especially on social media or in the public space right now.
1: I think that there's a lot. Man, all that was great. And identity is such a tough word. Mm. I think that there's a lot of hurt on top of what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And we talked earlier and I, I, I want to zoom over it, but I think we're way more alike than we are different. Mm-hmm. It's the conversations that are not being had that right. we can't see that. Mm-hmm. Um, you brought up the word privilege. There's this rapper, Jack Harlow. He talks and mm-hmm. he says, most of the people who hate me are just like me. So, I, I want privilege. I, I'm. Gonna, I'm. Gonna, I'll just be honest. Mm-hmm. If I if I grew up with privilege, I mean, like the people who are angry, they want privilege too. Everybody mm-hmm. would want that. It's a benefit. Right. Okay. So I think that people who have privilege, I think the goal should be um, use your privilege mm-hmm. to open doors or you know open your network to people who may not have it. Mm-hmm. I think at that point you become less complicit to the things that are going on. So mm-hmm. um, you don't. I can't say you owe anybody because I. Who who am I to say that? Right. But if you have it and you're giving a little bit of it away, Mm -hmm. it's probably not going to hurt you. Right. So I I just think think that I'm a person that loves to connect people. Mm -hmm. And because of my background, I grew up inner city. Mm -hmm. I understand the language. I understand the body language. I understand how they feel because I I live that. But I also had an opportunity to, through exposure, Mm -hmm. see the other side. Right. So I can talk to both sides. And Mm -hmm. I think it's the right thing for me to do is to bridge that gap Mm -hmm. and be that person. However, if a person, if the white suburban mom that we were talking about earlier Mm -hmm. comes to me and has questions, yeah, I'm going to answer her questions. However, I'm going to encourage her to do her own work. Mm -hmm. Because through that work, that's when the lenses fall down. That's when the bubbles uh, popped. And that's when you form genuine relationships Mm -hmm. and get a true understanding for what's going on in the world. Mm -hmm. Of which you don't live. Right. So.
0: Yeah. No, for sure. And I mean, I think on that note, it's something I, I've been thinking about a lot, uh, recently and in, 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 this whole past, I guess 20 or not 24, 12 months, really not, I, I always say this year, I'm thinking it's still 2020, but I think maybe we're still in in 2020 in a way, uh, yeah. metaphorically speaking, but, Absolutely. um, yeah, I was just curious especially considering what you just spoke to like how even just on a personal level you kind of dealt with a lot of what happened last year considering your background and also just seeing so many people suffering and upset and afraid and angry and I don't know always know how to deal with that. I don't I and I of course empathize with it because I feel those things too. But at the same time there's got to be a way to to make it constructive, right? And I struggled to find the answer to that. But I'm just curious, from your perspective, or even just how you dealt with it personally, or when people came to you with expressing those similar emotions in regards to the things that you know happened last year and continue to happen on, on a daily basis. I'm just kind of curious how you walk that tightrope, or if there's anything you felt like was
1: was helpful to share. So I struggled. But to be honest, I was doing the work on myself a couple of years before. Mm-hmm. I mean, truly finding out who I was as a man, what my identity was and those things. And I'm so thankful that I had done that pre-work mm-hmm. before this hit because I don't know how I would have reacted to because it's so much. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was nonstop. And if you if you pick up your phone and you get on social media, you're going to see it. Mm-hmm. And if you see it, it's part of your diet in a way. Right. And so for me, I was able to deal with it. I don't. I, it's bigger than me. Mm-hmm. It's bigger than you. It's, it's it and right. I don't know if it's a, a situation that can ever be solved, mm-hmm. but I just feel like I'm gonna do my part, and my part is what you see that you matter. All my posts, mm-hmm. you know, they're more they're more inclusive. They're they're more you know trying to get people to come into a room and have a conversation,
2: mm-hmm.
1: even even through all the trauma and the anger and the hurt, because if if you're hurting and you just sit in your hurt, it'll never get healed. Mm-hmm. So I, I talked a lot about um black men going to therapy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like that's a big deal but in our culture we were taught that that was a weakness. Right. Yo know, yo you going to therapy? Are you sick? you a punk. What's mm-hmm. your deal, man? Right. And so now you know showing that more and more and demonstrating that with people that it's not a weakness it's actually a strength. Most successful people have coaches or mentors or go to therapists right. because they're dealing with so much. Mm-hmm. It's just a conversation. And I keep lending back to I think it all starts with a, a healthy open heart and open mind conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just that simple, but that's a starting point for right. sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a powerful message, honestly. And I feel like it's, it's one of those things, even it, specifically in regards to to black men, but just men in general, you know, I feel like there's a lot of, a lot of resistance to just seeking help on, on any level, but especially in a, in an emotional or psychological context where, in theory, it's something that everybody should do, right? I mean, <laughs> it's something that it, the the framing of it maybe gets a little bit uh, stigmatized, but at the end of the day, it's it's what you said. It's having conversations. It's it's, it's willing. It's a willingness to be open. It's it's working through things with someone that you, to some degree you trust and who isn't going to judge you. And that's just having that in life is incredibly valuable. And I think we've gotten to a place. Uh, in in this modern world where sure, that's something that you kind of have to seek out independently from your personal life. In some ways, that's unfortunate. In some ways, it's kind of amazing, right? Because typically you can only get that from people that you know, but you can get it from someone. There's always going to be some baggage involved when you're talking to people that you know, but if it's someone that is on the outside, who can just be that third party for you, who's not going to judge you, who's just going to listen, who's going to tell you what you need to hear. That's most people are able to kind of, Say what they need to say, figure out what they need to figure out, as long as that's the framing, as long as they have someone that's not judging them on the other side of it. I I believe that most people can get there in, in regards to their issues, but I don't know if that's a controversial statement or not, to be honest, but I do feel like that is often what holds people back is that they feel like they're being judged on the other side of any conversation. So they're having to modulate how they really feel or what they're saying or, or how they're expressing themselves because they're always a little bit on edge. They're always worried. Like, what are they going to think of me? Uh, are they not going to be my friend anymore? Or are they going to think less of me? And in a therapeutic context, you, you kind of lose some of that baggage.
1: Uh, man, I, earlier, I was writing a post about judgment and I wrote it like, like on a chalkboard, like five times, mm. they're going to judge you. They're going to judge you. Mm. Right. People are going to judge. It's a human condition. It's mm-hmm. what we do, right. right? I do it. You do it. I'm working on not doing it. So when I'm judging someone, I catch it now. Mm-hmm. And I question, why are you insecure in that area enough to judge that other person? Mm-hmm. And so that's the work that I do on myself. But people are going to judge you. So if they're going to judge you, I think that we should go out and be who we really are. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to get judged for that too. Right. So why would, I, why would I go out and be what I think they want me to be? Mm-hmm. And they're going to judge me for that. I might as well take, take the cuffs off, right. right? And go be myself. So man, judgment's very difficult because Mm -hmm. it it does lean to the insecurities that you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. And we all have them. Right. And if you, if you trigger my insecurities, Mm -hmm. I'm going to judge you. Oh yeah. Right. (laughs) So now for me, man, I, I really sit with my insecurities. Mm -hmm. Why do you feel this way? Is it true? Mm. You know, is it your voice or is it the voice of society? Is it a, the voice of generations that, for instance, a lot of the narratives from, for men
2: mm-hmm.
1: is six or seven times passed down, mm. but it was crap at the beginning, right. which makes it still crap today. Yeah. But you have to question that, mm-hmm. you know, and you got to pull back those layers. And, and I, I just feel like that's when we'll all win. You said it a moment ago, we all do have greatness. Mm-hmm. It's, it lives in us. We're all great. Mm-hmm. It's there. But you gotta get all the other stuff off first, right? To be able to see it. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I don't want to lose it because
0: it, it just reminded me, actually, of something that, a question that mm-hmm. that you posed that I'd I'd kind of like to send back to you, uh, that really stuck with me. And it was, and maybe I'm paraphrasing a little, but why do men find it so difficult to compliment other men? And that really made me think, but. I guess I have my own thoughts on it, but I kind of just like to send that back to you and see from from you fielding that question to the public, what kind of response you got or, or how you process that.
1: I think it, 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 yeah, I think it jumps right into a lot of things with gender roles. Mm-hmm. And if I compliment you, hey, Brandon, man, I love that shirt. Mm-hmm. Man, like, am I soft or like, <laughs> am I, is there something wrong? You know, like, right. no, and I think it's that. Um, it doesn't take away from me being, I think I'm a dope individual, mm-hmm. but I also think at that you're a dope individual. Mm-hmm. So that makes me be able to compliment you. I'm not competing with you. Right. And I think a lot of men believe that they have to up one or compete with other men. Mm-hmm. And I get that because I'm, I'm a competitive guy, sure, but not competitive enough to know that I can't see great things in you and tell you about those. And there's an energy that comes from that, mm-hmm. right? And so some of the friends that I have, the male friends that I have, when you compliment them, you can see it. Like, Yo, I never hear men compliment me. So there's a different energy that mm-hmm. comes from that, and I believe that's important. It's, it's right. super important, man. Mm-hmm. So if I see someone that's doing something great, I tell them. Mm-hmm. It doesn't diminish my greatness, right? Right. So, yeah, uh, men, please compliment other men. Mm-hmm.
2: You know. It's yeah, a, I mean, it's, it's please, hard to do. It, uh, it, it, it is. It, no, it, it is. really
0: is. You, Especially, I know you. You mentioned it in that context of like close friendship. Sure, it, it gets easier there, but someone that you don't know that well it is that much harder yeah. right and i feel like it's almost we have these kind of visceral reactions sometimes where for me it's even like someone compliments me and that that doesn't really know me and i'm like what well, what are you trying to get from me you know like <laughs> exactly. that's that's my immediate <laughs> reaction where i'm like what what are you trying to tell me you know what's yeah. what's going on uh what what do you need from me yeah. and you know, I I know why I feel that way. Uh, you're, prob- <laughs> you're probably right too, man. You're right. Sometimes, yeah, because sure. often that's the case. But at the same time, sometimes it's just because they mean it, and, yeah. and and because they want they want others to feel good, and that's maybe that feels a little bit removed from the day to day for for a lot of people, and that's understandable. But I think it does. It's an interesting concept that I feel like always holds up for me just as far as like paying it forward in life and that if you compliment someone, I believe they will compliment someone else. I feel like that is always the case because, and granted, unless they somehow misinterpret it and think there was some weird thing, but if it makes them feel good, I feel like that's the most powerful form of motivation that I I notice in the world. That if someone if I notice a random act of kindness, if it's if it's a compliment, if you know I was at at Aldi the other day and somebody, you know, left a quarter. And you know, it was the quarter was in the thing. Uh now every single time I go to Aldi, I leave my quarter Man, because it's I'm just like a quarter
1: too, but it feels good though,
0: right? <laughs> right. But I was like, damn, somebody somebody was just looking at, and they don't know who's gonna get it. You yeah. know, it's they're not trying to get anything out of it. They just know that it's gonna make someone's life just a little bit easier. Cause I've been to Aldi and not had a quarter. And been you like <laughs> and been <laughs> like, I gotta go over to Lowe's Foods or something, you know, like. I just can't chop here because I don't have a quarter uh, cuz I can't carry all this shit and uh, So true. Yeah, and then I, you know, one time somebody left a quarter and I was like, "Damn." So now every time I go, every single time, I just put a quarter in there and then I leave it. And that might be the case for the rest of my life. And so that one person and doing that affected me forever and I don't know who it was. So I and maybe that's just my perspective, but I do feel like Anytime I notice that in the world, where I feel like someone who I don't know at all went out of their way to make my life better or
1: easier, or to just help me feel good, you know, it's funny, Brandon. As you're talking about it, it's making me feel good. I mm. didn't, I didn't, I didn't even experience it, mm-hmm. but I'm feeling good on the inside. So I, I, I know it to be true, mm-hmm. and I think it's a ripple effect um, that can just go. You, you never know. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that person was having a bad day and was going to go home and hurt his family, right? And because this little random thing. Mm-hmm. They say they change their mind. We we just don't know what's going on with people. So right. I, that's why I do it mm-hmm. because I know there's a lot of hidden going on. People are hiding in plain sight mm-hmm. with really serious issues, and you may brighten them up and get them out of that. Right. I to- I totally agree with you.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think it goes back to the whole you know the whole mantra here, and that's at base that it is unconditional, and that's why it's so powerful. That it would be one thing if it was a friend of mine or somebody who liked me. And they were like, oh, Brandon's coming behind me at Aldi. I'm going to leave this so he'll get a, you know, that would feel good. That would feel good in a way. But nothing compared to someone who has no idea who's going to get it, has no idea who's going to benefit. I could be anybody, you know, I could be on paper their enemy, right? I could be, I could be the person that just, you know, rear-ended them in the parking lot. You know, I could be the the asshole that cut them off, but it's unconditional. It's, It's just another person. And it doesn't matter really where I am if it can benefit me just as another human being and someone's willing to do that, regardless of any other condition or qualifier, I feel like that is to me kind of that highest good that it's, it's one thing to sure, you know, that's what people like about the holidays or whatever. Like you, you get a gift, you give a gift and then part of the good, the good part is, is giving because someone gives you something good and it just feels great. And so you want, you want that for other people, but I feel like taking it to the next level, if you're one of those people that that gives gifts to random people or you know you, you just drop it off somewhere and anybody gets it that there's there's something that feels uniquely good about that because it's unconditional it's just someone will benefit from this and even if it's someone who I might see on the street and say for a multitude of reasons someone who might go home and hurt their family and who has been hurting their family you might say well of course I'm not going to give anything to them but if it could impact them, if it could move the needle back the other way, yeah, isn't that the person who maybe needs it the most?
1: Yes. You, you, yes. What if, we, what if we're all connected? What if we are? Because that's my mindset, mm-hmm. right? Right. I know that's not popular. Mm-hmm. No, you can't be connected to it. Why not? If I'm creating, and I, I have, I've created new rules in my life, mm-hmm. and that's part of it. Right. And so when you do that, I mean, you, you hit it. like It, it feels so good. To do these things, Mm -hmm. why would we do them only on holidays? If it feels so good to celebrate your birthday, Mm -hmm. why do you only do it once a year? Right. Why don't you mentally say, Mm -hmm. it's my birthday every day? Right. Because on those days, I know people are going to big up me. They're going to reach out to me. Right. I'm going to get gifts. Mm -hmm. I'm going to eat good food. Why wouldn't you do it every day? And so I always challenge people with those kinds of questions. And mm-hmm. I just drop the mic and walk away. And, <laughs> and some of my friends really understand it. And they'll they'll send me messages now of all of the things that I talk about mm-hmm. because I'm like, you know, I want to examine life on a different level. I mm-hmm. don't want the autopilot, cruise control life that I believe a lot of people settle for. Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it's a, it's a great question. And I mean, I think it's, it's uh, I guess there's a version of it that I subscribe to to some extent where... My wife and I, we, we just try to celebrate everything. And it's, it feels a little silly sometimes. And, and people probably think we're a little weird for it, honestly. But any day, like any sort of a holiday, any sort of half birthday, you know, just any day, you know, it's a month till your birthday, you know, whatever it is, we just try to celebrate. You know, every reason that we can take in our lives to to just live it in the way that you would as if it were a special day. Because as you spoke to, every day could be a special day if you really wanted it to be, if you really tried. But so, yeah, we sometimes, like I said, it feels a little silly and people are like, what are you celebrating? And it's like, yeah, it's, you know, we're just celebrating, but it does kind of motivate us to just kind of keep that mindset in mind. So we're never going too long without being like, let's just let's just live a day like this is a birthday. Like it's like it's Christmas, like whatever it is
1: that you you get excited about. Brian, here's why I love that, too, is the holidays have this this reciprocal power. If it doesn't go right. Mm-hmm. Now you're waiting a whole. If Christmas mm-hmm. doesn't go right, or we're socially distancing, so you can't celebrate it the way you typically do. Mm-hmm. Now you're let down for a whole year, right? Right. Um, not only that, life is life is. It's this gift that we've been given every day. So mm-hmm. I'm personally going to celebrate it, but it's also something that we have a reservation mm-hmm. that's already set for us that we don't know when when it's, when it's coming. Right. Right. And that's death. And I talk mm-hmm. I I talk about grief. And mourning and death a lot, mm-hmm. and it was that that actually unlocked me to live more unapologetically every day, mm-hmm. to celebrate every day, to have gratefulness every day. Mm-hmm. Because I'm 48, I'm more than half of my life. Based on the numbers, black men die at seven. Average black man lives mm-hmm. to be 73, right? Mm-hmm. So who knows? So I forgive quicker, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I compliment. So it's not inside of me. Mm-hmm. So those things because I've kind of gotten, and mm-hmm. I'm kind of living backwards. I've kind of already wrote my eulogy mm-hmm. and I'm not living it in real life. And these are things that are part of it. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes really easy when you have that kind of intention. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the level of life that's available for everybody mm-hmm. with the work. Right. It takes work. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love that. Uh, and I guess we haven't really gotten into your story, if you will, too much, but I think in short, as someone who's, who's taken a huge leap of faith in life that you, in a way you kind of, you bet on yourself, you, you took, you, you, were in a situation where you were very secure. You were what a lot of people probably out there right now would say their material dreams would be realized if they had been in a situation that you were at a time, uh, at least from a material perspective and things were comfortable. And then you took a big leap and there's a lot of steps in, in between there and now, but I think we, we can both. I mean, I can speak for you and say that you're better for it. Um, but with that in mind, do you ever find it hard to to empathize with people who, who kind of stay steadfast on the path of of security and, and comfort and, and never really take the jump? You know, metaphorically
1: speaking. Maybe a little bit. Um, but not really because it's, it's, it is hard Mm -hmm. because we've been told that those were the wins. You know, you get the six figures, you get the nice house, you get the nice cars, you go on the nice trips and all that stuff. But I promise you, there's more people like me that felt that way that I got to that thing and I was like, yo, I don't feel, I don't feel good. Mm -hmm. This isn't, they, I thought you guys said this was supposed to feel (laughs) good. right? Right. And so, um, I think that people need to hear that and venture out. And it doesn't like I just dropped it. I'm out. I'm done, right? Mm. I'm not saying that's the right way to do it. I got scraped up a lot. Financially mm. I'm not back to where I would where I could have been. Sure. However, I'm rich in relationships. Mm-hmm. I'm much more of a my me as a man, I'm I'm way more deep now. Mm-hmm. The level of depth that I have, I would have never reached. Mm-hmm. Right. The way I look at family and community and and loving people, I I was a I'm a whole different man mm-hmm. because of that jump. Right. And so if that's what somebody's looking for, that's that's Gary Vee talks about all the time. Mm-hmm. He's like, all this stuff, you're not taking it with you. Mm-hmm. So if you gotta sell your home and go live with your parents to go realize your dream, try it. You can always go back to You probably have, obviously you have a good set of skills. Mm -hmm. You probably can go back to the comfortable life. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't for me. Right. I know there's more. I know there's more and I might do it again Mm -hmm. because I know there's more from where I'm at now.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's an interesting case study for sure. And I I certainly, I know a handful of people that, that have taken similar steps in their life and I don't, I don't know that I ever come across anybody who does that and, and feels negatively about it ultimately. And I guess maybe to be fair, I don't know, maybe those aren't the stories that you hear about. Uh, the people who who maybe tried something new and it didn't work out, or they weren't in the place they needed to be to make it work, or they went back to, to security or comfort or whatever. And of course, everyone's path is different. And, and you, everyone's kind of working things out and trying to figure out figure out where they fit into things and, and where they want to be. And like you said, you, you might be in someplace very different in, in five years, even though right now you're loving what you're doing. You feel like you're following your passion that that can all change. And you could, you could find a space where there's more for you, but I'm curious if there's just anything for the audience that you can offer in regards to what, what really made you take that step? Like, was there, was there a moment where you just were like, that's it. It's enough. I have to do this. I have to leave this behind. Or was it kind of a slow burn?
1: I think it was a little of both. So it was a slow burn. I always knew. And I always knew like, yo, this is what I, because I, I was in a place of survival from mm-hmm. the age of 19 because I had my son at 19. Mm-hmm. No degree. no. I had no plan, mm-hmm. but I had to figure it out. Right. So I went to work. Right. Mm-hmm. Two jobs sometimes, a lot of hours
2: mm-hmm.
1: nonstop because I had family.
2: mm mm-hmm.
1: After time, after 15 years, it's like, wait a minute, I want to be more in a a thrive space Mm -hmm. where I'm truly being, doing the things that make me happy from the inside. Mm -hmm. And so once I started climbing in corporate, I I got to a place where I was climbing and I felt if I went any further, I would never get out. Mm -hmm. So it was like this matrix type thing, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it's a real thing. But for me, it was like, nah, I'm going to climb back down the ladder. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Now I'm going to go buy a ladder and I'm going to build it my way. Mm-hmm. because I don't know if you can win in life. I don't know if you can win doing it somebody else's way. Mm. I, don't, I, mean, I think you can lie to everybody else, Brandon, but I don't think you can lie to yourself. I mm-hmm. think yourself's always going to come calling at some point and say, Hey, you're a fraud. You're a liar. You know, mm-hmm. like that's what, it, that's what it said to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was too much. So right. uh, I had to do it. <laughs> right. And I, I think, I think, and you know, it's great about it too. When I talk about being connected, I think a lot of other people have been a benefit of it.
2: Mm-hmm
1: because now I'm in tons of spaces of people that are doing, feeling the same way and they'll DM me or whisper and say, Hey man, how'd you do that? Mm -hmm. So That that example.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's definitely hard to lie to yourself or, well, I think it's ultimately hard to lie to yourself. I think it's easy on the front end and, and I think you can definitely surround yourself with a lot of things that make it easier. And our brains, uh, especially the, the left hemisphere, is very good at kind of crafting a narrative to, to justify past action, right? Where it's very easy to, to kind of talk yourself into why you got where you are or to just to justify the decisions that you've made thus far so you don't feel like they were mistakes. Because it's very hard to, to look back and say, I just shouldn't have done that, right? It's very hard to, especially when it comes to big things, you know, like, like a job or even a, a relationship or anything of, of a significant nature in life, but it's, if you spend time with just yourself, if you spend time with only your thoughts in your mind on a, from a place of curiosity, I feel like that stuff's always going to come up as you kind of spoke to that. It's, if you're, if this whole story that you're telling yourself isn't true, I think in time, it's at least going to present itself it was some form of suffering and it might not be obvious. It's not like it's someone shouting at you saying, don't do this, or this is what you need to do, but it's, it's this, this tension, you know, this kind of constant underlying tension that if you have to spend any time, as I just kind of said, you know, by yourself or really just with your thoughts that it's, it's very hard to run from at that point. And I think you can, you can fill your, I think a lot of people who, who, it, thrive in in high motor spaces who, you know, corporate competitive environments, if you just, if you just work, you know, you just kind of, you keep it going all the time. You never stop. You always fill your life with different exciting things. It it can be easy to, to neglect a little bit of, of what is kind of pulling in here. But I I think ultimately I agree that, that to some extent you, you can't quite run from that. And eventually it'll, it'll bubble up and and maybe you'd be past the tipping point and you feel like you're already too far in. So it's like, well, at this point, why, why try?
1: So I, you're right. And I think that the the seat of regret though, I don't want to be sitting on the front porch at mm. 85 with all that regret, mm-hmm. you know? So I'd rather have that now and figure mm-hmm. it out now. And our world is more distracted now than ever. Mm-hmm. So people aren't sitting with their thoughts and when right. you do, you hear all the stories. That's when a lot of people crash mm-hmm. because all it all comes down at once. Mm-hmm. And so, I think that's why journaling is so important. I mm-hmm. was listening to Matthew McConaughey. He says he's been journaling for like twenty five years, mm-hmm. and now he just wrote a book about all of his journaling. Mm-hmm. Right? Gotcha. But getting those thoughts out. And for me, I don't make big decisions without muses or mentors. I reach out to people who are totally different from me and say, "Hey, this is something I'm considering. What mm-hmm. am I missing?" You know, what, 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 don't I see? Mm -hmm. Tell me what's behind me. Right. You know, I'm really big with that with women because Mm -hmm. I think they, men are, I think I say all similar, but we're, we're close. Yeah. You know, I'm asking women like, yo, Mm -hmm. from a, from a woman's standpoint, what else could I do here? And I get some amazing feedback Mm -hmm. and it's helped, it's helped me miss some landmines.
0: Yeah, for sure. No, I, I don't doubt it at all. I think it's a, it's a great audit. I think we just, as men, we tend to be, we, similar in our motivations, yeah. I think is, is yeah. maybe yes, the, <laughs> the the primary way in which we're similar. And so I think just, just getting that, that different perspective where motivations, I think at base are just a little different, yeah. uh, priorities are a little bit different yeah. and it, we can just be totally blind to, to a whole, to a whole spectrum of, of questions and, and ideas and problems if, if we just kind of stay in that lane of, of, uh, this particular set of incentives that, that we tend to kind of lock in on.
1: Agree. I think it's just for me being a little bit more mindful that if I put my pride aside just for a moment mm. and ask those questions, right? most people are like, wow, hey, man, I, I love that. You know, because people like being asked mm-hmm. what they feel. Right, yeah. and if you do it, and you're literally asking, like, I mm-hmm. got, like, sometimes I'm like, they like, no, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I think I know, but I really want to know if I can gain 30 years of your live experience. And a lot of times, it's free. Mm-hmm. Why would I not ask the question? Right. So.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, it, you make an interesting point about just kind of putting your your pride aside because that's that's no small task. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. <laughs> I think it, in principle, it's something that a lot of people can can get behind, right? You know, this idea that like. Sure, you, you probably gets in the way, you know kind of like the the classic story of what is it the the line in the mouse or whatever Absolutely. you know it's yeah. a it's a classic problem, but it, it presents itself in a lot of different ways right? I feel like it, it's not always like oh i'm gonna I'm gonna run into this burning building uh, or it's not like always I'm gonna you know beat out this this person next to me but it's it's definitely something that can be kind of sneaky at least in my experience where yeah. you don't always realize, how you're trying to protect yourself or how you're trying to protect your ego or protect the sense of self that you have, or this idea of anything that kind of threatens where you are and your understanding of, of yourself and where you fit in. Uh, it just can be, it, it is that natural reaction to to insulate yourself from anything, whether it just be honest feedback and that, that can be difficult just because at base, even trying to seek out feedback from others is a scary thing because if you're if you're really getting it from the people that you should, half the time it's gonna be bad. You know, half the time it's not even bad, but there's gonna be something helpful there. There's gonna be something critical. And obviously it's there's benefits to loving what you do and feeling good about your work and all of that, but it sometimes, especially when you're doing something that you're really passionate about and that you love it's kind of your baby. And it can be hard even with me, like with this project where I, I'm always trying to get pe- feedback from others that are close to me because I always want it to be better. I always want to to keep trying to step outside of my own perspective on it. But at the same time, it's my project. And it can be hard to not feel protective of that or to feel like uh, people don't necessarily understand what I'm going for. And a lot of that is just me trying to protect my initial thoughts and feeling like I had it right the first time, but continually forcing myself to to hear others out and to assume or to to let that default of that you spoke to like what am I missing here? Always asking that question and really wanting the answer is is something that that I feel like is pretty critical.
1: No, it's that's a great point. I think experience is still the best teacher.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: However, I don't want to use experience and blow my life up in certain ways that I can avoid. Mm -hmm. So so it's a kind of a teeter-totter type of thing. But the feedback that I've gotten, you have to be in a growth mindset. You have to be in a place where you get the feedback. And if you really want to get better, because a lot of people are living in a fixed mindset. Hey, this is the way it's going to be. This is how it's always been. It can't be changed. Mm -hmm. But it can. Right, It can. You just change your mindset. You change your perspective. Mm -hmm. Uh, You get around people who have done it. There are people that are doing, you know, Brandon, there's things me and you want to do, for instance. Mm -hmm. Somebody's doing it. Right, like, like, and I probably can just go on YouTube and and watch how they're doing it. You yeah, know? like, why am I not doing that? Mm-hmm. So, and then why am I not trying? And then, the, the, you know, the the thought that it I'm making mistakes. No, mm-hmm. no, I'm learning lessons of what not to do a lot of the times. Right, right? so mm-hmm. I can get to the how to do it. So mm-hmm. it's just perspective. Right. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, one thing I I did want to ask uh, before I lose it in regards to just the whole message, right? The, the you matter. Was there ever a particular point in your life that you felt like you didn't matter? Like, was there ever a, a point that that put you in a place that inspired all of this, that you felt the opposite was true? Or uh, that's just kind of a a hunch that I had. But then you also mentioned it earlier that you, you said, sometimes I feel like I didn't matter. I wasn't sure if that was like a broad statement or if there was maybe a low point for you that you feel
1: like, Inspired the the high point. So yeah, great question. And I think that a lot of things. I mean, I grew up in a one parent household. Mm-hmm. That's hard. Oh yeah. You know? I, why why do they all get dads and my mm-hmm. dad's not there? Mm-hmm. You know, that's probably started there. Um, the privilege thing. You think not having privilege and seeing people have it. Mm-hmm. So all these things kind of this perfect storm comes together. But I think I didn't design my life at a young age. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think having a son at 19, well, that's a handcuff. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but you got to take care of him, right? So a lot of the things I were doing from 19 into my 40s was just to take care of my family, Mm -hmm. right? That doesn't show up the same as, hey, these are the things that are talking to my spirit, Mm -hmm. right? So it wasn't that I didn't feel like I didn't matter. I knew I was different from maybe some of the ways I was living. Mm -hmm. And so it was always sitting there. And the longer, for me personally, the longer that I didn't face it, mm-hmm. the, the more empty I felt. Right. So, but definitely, um, that was, that would have been a tipping point for me. It's just, it's just, I knew, I knew, I, I knew I was supposed to do bigger things. Mm-hmm. I still know that. Right. I, there's more. Mm-hmm. And so that keeps me getting up every day, even when I'm tired or the days I don't feel like it. So mm-hmm. no, I, 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 there are people out there that need a great message. There's people out there that are hurting mm-hmm. and I believe I can be a demonstration of what's possible. Mm-hmm. So. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean that
0: that all makes sense. And I think it it begs the question for me, because I know you've spoken to doing work with with high school students. Yeah. And A, I wonder why in principle, but also if what you just spoke to kind of not necessarily feeling like the author of your own life when you were younger and and coming from a place where you, you didn't feel like you had a lot at your disposal, you had some natural disadvantages. Is that something
1: that that kind of drew you to, to working with people in that in that space? Absolutely. High school is this uh, sweet spot for me because it was at a place where had I had the right educators or mentors, and I'm not making an excuse; it's the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, people who believed in me and pushed me in that way, things may have been different. And I'm not sitting here saying, "Hey, I need my life." I would, if I could go back, I do things different. I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, they that stuff's made me the man that I am. However. Education is freedom and it's very important, but it's kind of in our culture today, this group think thing Mm -hmm. where it's one size fits all. Right. And as humans, that will never work. Mm-hmm. because we're all individual. There's there's students at school that are geniuses, but they can't sit in a classroom and learn because they're creative,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? So you, you look at them and say, well, they're failing. Well, they're failing because they're not in the right environment. Mm-hmm. If you put them in a more creative environment, they would flourish like a flower and bloom. So right. that's why I show up, because I can identify with it. I, I, I can walk in a room of 30 students and see, because their patterns are the patterns are there mm-hmm. if you pay attention. Right. A lot of times it's, I think it's hard for educators because they're overwhelmed, they're underpaid. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Right? They don't feel like they matter. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's hard for them to not be getting what they need fed to them sometimes and be able to feed into the students. And mm-hmm. so I want to be one of the people that come in and champion those messages.
2: hmm So.
0: Yeah. And do you feel like there's a – I know you kind of spoke to some some fundamental problems there obviously there's a lot that that is difficult and, and problematic within our current education system. But do you feel like there's a a reoccurring or a consistent problem that you see these, these kids facing or, or a way in which the education system or even just the, the prevailing youth culture as a whole is, is failing these kids or something? That you just feel like they're missing or not getting that if,
1: if they did, things would be quite different or, yeah, I think, um, wow, education hasn't, the system hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. Everything's changed. Education, the way we educate has been for a couple hundred years like this. Mm-hmm. The world has changed. Mm-hmm. So education has to change. The way we teach, the way we think has changed. The way we, we're fed information is coming to us in light speed. Mm-hmm. So all these things have changed, but the educational system is kind of the same way. Right. And I, I don't know the answer to how to change it. Mm -hmm. Um, I have some ideas, but I think that a lot of students are lost, right? And so the students that are lost because this doesn't speak to them, it is not that they're not not smart kids or intelligent. It's just, they're just not in the right environment. Mm -hmm. And, and I guess I don't, I don't know how to fix it, Mm -hmm. but I think that some changes need to be made for sure. And I I see some small things happening, Mm -hmm. but I think that some, some other things, a lot of students are not doing well just because of. It's it's a system that we've used for a hundred years, and it's not speaking to that individual student. Mm-hmm. So I would take standardized testing out. I, I don't I don't like a standardized test. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's valuable in my in, in my opinion. I think it should be a total different system of mm-hmm. how we grade. Right. You know the grades itself. Mm-hmm. So
0: yeah. Is there any other? I guess just to push back on that a little <laughs> bit, like is there any other? form of measurement that you feel like is is more telling or would be more useful in that space that that would kind of i guess that would cover that would have more coverage in a way that it would bring everyone in and be a better indicator of of future success or or actual learning. Yeah. Is there anything that you feel like it yeah. would be a more helpful audit?
1: Yeah, I, I'm being a former leader and dealing with Uh, adults in their Mm. forties and fifties it was uh, a students and c students and it really didn't matter it Mm -hmm. was their mindset it was their life experience it was the values that they had so Mm -hmm. all those things that we're not talking about in school i know some people will say well you're supposed to learn that at home Mm -hmm. well if the home dynamic is dysfunctional which we know that's the case in a lot of homes they're not learning at home Mm -hmm. so we could teach them that at school right and there's a lot of the classes that for instance I, I had calculus, but I, I I didn't use that. I didn't care about mm-hmm. that. But if you'd have been t- teaching me about mindset or or credit or budgeting or all mm-hmm. these other things that are real life skill situations, I would have tuned in. Mm-hmm. So not that there's a lot of me in schools right now. I see
2: it. Mm-hmm. So gotcha.
0: Yeah. No. I mean that that makes sense, and it, it's it's definitely unfortunate. It's something I've spoken to on the record a decent amount, but
1: I was. I was very, very lucky in, in a lot of ways and let me let me just say this one other thing mm. how about how about the classes it may be as simple as the classes I have to take mm-hmm. no i don't I don't want to take this class, I don't like it. How about I just take the classes a la carte that I like mm-hmm. right now, some of the basic classes I get, maybe it's English and math, you have to, but mm-hmm. other than that, I don't have to take classes that don't resonate with what I want to do in my life mm-hmm. so simple things like that maybe right
0: yeah, yeah, i mean I, I guess what I was just going to kind of piggyback off of that. I was in a lot of ways kind of insulated from some of these issues when I was a kid, because I was just very lucky to go to a great school when I was a kid. It had nothing to do with me. It's just where I ended up. And it certainly molded me in a lot of ways and gave me a lot of opportunities I would never have access to otherwise. Um, and until I got older and and was exposed to, to more people and I, and I went to college and realized that so many other people who were in a similar place to me at that point had had such a different experience educationally and the the sorts of things that that they were learning in school or not learning. I just kind of assumed that my experience was relatively normal as everyone does, uh, at least to start. And, uh, as I kind of became more aware of these things and my sister, uh, is essentially a professional in education. She taught in, in a charter school for a while. She, you know, majored in education policy. And, and so through her and, and through lots of other experiences, started to realize just how big of a disparity there is between just where you are and what school district you're in and, and how some schools, they really are getting all these great things that, right. are, that are developing the, the future workforce and who are, are developing people who... Are ready to thrive in in the workforce, honestly, out of high school. And sure, college is developed for some. But in a lot of ways, I, I've said before, I know people who went to the school that I went to that felt like high school was easier than college, you know, where right. but then people who also go to high schools where there's just absolutely nothing put into them. And it's it's just not fair. <laughs> it's <laughs> so it's, it's difficult to it's definitely hard not to feel bad about that. Right. You know, from my perspective, cause I'm just like, damn, like what, what did I do to, to deserve this, this experience, this advantage. But as we spoke to before, it's at the end of the day, it is what it is. And I have to try to use that. Right. I have to try to use the privilege that I have had as a kid to, to do whatever I can to, to potentially close that gap or, or to help others learn in different ways or, or just to, Maybe even just put a spotlight on on the issue itself, right. if that's the best I can do. Right.
1: That's a good. I, I like the spotlight. I like the spotlight. I think mm-hmm. that um, just talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that in the schools, it needs to be it needs to be equal across the board, mm-hmm. and, and it's not. It's, it's not even nah. close. It's not even close. Mm-hmm. And I think if you lose students in high school, you can, I think you can lose them for life. Mm-hmm. So especially when we talk about potential.
2: Mm-hmm. So. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. I mean it's it's a very formative time. And I think it's great that you're that you're trying to reach people in that stage because it's sure there's a lot of really important developmental years before that, but that's when you make a lot of decisions right. that that are gonna affect you forever. Right. Where sure, K through eight, there's a lot of important development and learning, but it's it's a little bit turnkey at that point. Like you're kind of just doing what you're told for the most part. And then you get to high school and it's kinda like, All right, what does your future look like? Right and that's when you start to kind of lay the groundwork there and as you said if if you lose kids there it's it can be a tough trajectory to to recorrect it obviously can be done and you hear plenty of stories of people who don't graduate high school or who who start off on the quote-unquote wrong path and and are able to to find their way towards a successful future but it's it's definitely have a lot harder yes it is harder for sure for sure yeah uh so i guess just to make a little bit of a pivot here Something I like to ask sometimes to people who who have the sort of kind of broader perspective that you have. What's an issue that you just feel like people aren't talking about enough?
1: Man, religion, politics, race—all the things we should be talking about that mm-hmm. we've been sh- we've been shamed or made feel guilty about. Mm-hmm. We should be talking about those things mm-hmm. every day in an open way. Right. You know, it's just. How do you not talk about something that's sitting with you?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I, I don't do it. Like I know there's spaces where you kind of. Wh- why can't we talk about politics?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Why can't we talk about religion? I mean, it's what makes us us. Right. So if we don't talk about it, then it doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. We just don't talk about it, and I think not talking about it brings in a whole other level of problem. Mm-hmm. You know, so I believe we should talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and understanding too in an open way in a safe space but we're all different and if your religion is different from mine mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that I can't be your friend or we can't hang out or we mm-hmm. can't we just believe something a little different right I'm glad you have a religion at all mm-hmm. you know so we need to talk about these things right to, get, to gain understanding and where I think understanding brings acceptance and I mm-hmm. think acceptance brings equality mm-hmm. and equity and inclusion and diversity so right. Yeah. yeah
0: well I guess I guess on that note um, is is religion a, a big part of your life
1: so I grew up in a in a home <laughs> um, where my grandmother she um yeah she was uh, very religious mm-hmm. and which made me have to be very religious I yeah. guess uh, you know you're going mm-hmm. to church mm-hmm. and you're wearing church clothes but I think um I started to look back and say as a man hey what do I believe mm-hmm. and so I think I'm less Religious and more spiritual. Okay. Now, and there's a big difference. Gotcha. Right. Um. I. I know. I know. I know. Yeah. There's a God, and I. I believe that we were all created, but I don't truly know. I don't think anybody mm-hmm. can say they really know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I believe for sure, gotcha. and it, and it guides my life. It's 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 the groundwork from where I where I get all my strength mm-hmm. and my faith and my love and my grace and my hope mm-hmm. and all those things, especially when it comes to people, and it and it's the thing that allows me to. Continue to have the compassion and hope for people, because mm-hmm. I believe we're all from the same place. Mm-hmm. I really do. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: So I guess part of the reason I ask is some of what, and this is just me working on various Excellent. assumptions, but your core message once again, you matter in this this concept of of the sovereignty of the individual and and their value was you could argue uh, originally a, a religious concept that something that a somewhat judeo-christian ethic brought into the world um definitely open for the debate but it's something that you could i think most people could agree that that was a, a positive thing regardless of how you feel about religion that it brought into the world and how it changed society and culture and even just enlightenment ideals that, that people felt like okay the individual is significant in and of themselves and that there is something special and unique and valuable in everyone. And that when we try to structure society, a government around that, it seems to be a very positive thing that that is responsible for a lot of where we are right now and whether we would have gotten there without it is, is, is a counterfactual we can't figure out. But I was just curious if that to some degree was, was a part of the, the basis of your whole feeling, just the, the base feeling of everyone mattering uh in, in kind of a radical way. And like I said, that's kind of why I asked if religion was something that was important to you. Because it seemed like it might be if that was. Yeah, it is. It is.
1: <clears throat> Excuse me. Without it, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I don't know what my existence would be or mm-hmm. my identity and the things you mentioned earlier. If I didn't have some type of understanding of spiritually getting to know myself. Mm-hmm. Right, but that's given me a way of being attached to other people and, mm-hmm. va- I, I, and valuing your life just like I value mine
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, I think that's contagious I think it's a feeling that when you sit with people and you give off that energy mm-hmm. they feel like this is something different and they want to know where it comes from
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it's really been beneficial for me mm-hmm. um, through the message uh, again I study all religions actually mm-hmm. and I think that even if like, for instance, the Bible is the most read book ever. Right. Mm-hmm. And let's just say you don't subscribe to it. Sure. There's still, it's it's principle based mm-hmm. and life is about principles. Right. So even if you don't believe all that it says you can snatch some great, amazing principles mm-hmm. out and live your life right. in a great way. Mm-hmm. So. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting that you say that cause it's, it's definitely something that resonates with me. And part of the reason I, I kind of teeter this line and wanted to, uh, because I know you don't know <laughs> you don't know anything uh, about, about me in that sense. But interestingly enough, I was raised very religious. Uh, I grew up in a Catholic family. And my mother is very, very religious. And it's something that I I totally know love and respect. I went to Catholic school growing up, 13 years. So in regards to the Bible, the Christian religion broadly, I know, I know it very well, sure. and it was a, a huge part of my life for a long time. And where I am right now, I can't say that I'm particularly religious. You know, I, I can't. It's, it's not the truth. But I also have a very strong foundation in that sense, where I feel like compared to some who don't have that sort of background, I'm not saying it's even necessarily an innate advantage, but something that I guess kind of relates to how I feel in a lot of different spaces because of kind of the unique way that I was raised. I could see the value that is there. And I, as you, you spoke to the Bible's the, you know, the the, the most read book of all time. And regardless of what you think about it as a, I don't know, a objective source of truth, Right. there are, are, are common stories, common lessons, common principles in there that are incredibly valuable, regardless of, of what you really think about it or who wrote it or any of that. Um, and that there are lots of religious principles like the sovereignty of the individual or things like the golden rule or basic principles that that I think we all can get behind. We can all get behind these ideas. Well, not all, but I think most people can get behind these ideas that, that individuals matter for who they are and that we are all connected in some way. I think, you know, when you frame it like that, I think most people would be like, oh, okay, I, I can get behind that. Even if they don't consider themselves religious or they even consider themselves staunchly not so. Um, and I think part of what got me to where I am in in my relationship to religion is is also recognizing that though maybe in its origin, it was based on religious principles, that for an individual to have value, it there really needs to be no qualifier, at least to me, that even if, even if uh, no religion is, is truly right or if there, there isn't some unmoved mover out there, that still at the end of the day, we should treat each other well and that there's value in that and that everyone at base, even just from the principle of we don't want others to unnecessarily suffer regardless of whether you think that there's a God or that there's something holy in them, that there's, there's a practical ethic to, to wanting others to feel good and to want others to not suffer unnecessarily and to want to, to want this planet to be a better place to be on for future generations. And that you can still come from this place of, of the same basic principles, even though if you really trace it back and it's something I won't dive too deep on because right, I've had right, plenty right. of debates on it. But I think a lot of people, whether you believe in God or not, you could basically trace it back to, to a single question. Right. And it's even if you totally believe in, in science and the the historical record of that, that it's like, okay, something happened right at the beginning of time uh, that, that sparked all that we know. And it's just a question of, whether there was someone that that incited that incident or not. Everything else from there could be the same. You could have the same set of beliefs. You could think you could totally believe in, in the Big Bang and, like I said, all of science and just say, I just think God was the beginning. And that's that's really the fundamental disconnect. And at the end of the day, it's it's a very small thing, even though often it maps itself onto the world in very different ways. And there's lots of different religions, and some are obviously more... Uh, restrictive or uh, oppressive or controversial in different ways, but at base, whether or not you believe in that sense, you really there doesn't have to be that much of a disconnect. Um, and it's up um, again once again. <clears throat> sorry, once again, I have kind of a unique perspective. My mother's very religious. I was raised that way. I, I respect and love her as much as anything else in this world, and I know what religion did for her. She's a cancer survivor. She's. Had an incredibly difficult life in so many ways and, and carries so much on a daily basis that I don't, I can't even understand right. how she does it. Right. And anyone that knows her knows that. And yeah. I, I don't know that that would be the case if she wasn't a religious person. I, I don't think that she could have endured everything that she did if she didn't have a sense of of a, of a higher power, of, of, of higher meaning
1: in life, which I think everyone needs, whether it's religious or not. You know what I'm saying? I, man. Um, yeah, you're unpacking some things. So, <laughs> you know, if, if we are truly spiritual beings having a human experience mm-hmm. versus human beings having a spiritual experience, mm-hmm. um, you're exactly right. So we have to have something that grounds us. M- my problem with organized religion at this point is that it divides, mm. right? And I'm not a divider, right? I'm a connector. Right. So if you don't believe in what I believe in, ah, you know, even mm-hmm. within the same church. Right. That's difficult. Um, I don't believe in forced religion, mm-hmm. which is hard. And, and you, you talk back about science. It's, it's difficult because like if we're just sitting here and having an open debate about it, mm-hmm. if the person wasn't there when this thing happened, mm-hmm. how do we really know? And mm-hmm. religion has been passed down. But I do believe, I do believe, my insights tell me
2: mm-hmm.
1: that, that, that there is a God, mm-hmm. right? And I don't think I would have gotten through some things I've without it, like you mentioned mm-hmm. about your mom. When we come to individual people, I think that the value should come into the love of humanity. Now that that's that unconditional thing mm-hmm. we talked about earlier. That's the highest love, not the love of the people that live in my household,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? We all do that, right, in some form or fashion. But if we can set our minds and say, okay, what if we have been taught, what if you have been taught, just like you were taught religion, mm-hmm. that every person you meet is you have to love them like you love your mom? Would you be doing that today?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You would. Right, right. So it, it's, we're just outliving what we've been taught. Mm-hmm. And so for me personally, I wanted to change it. So I started to re-educate myself, mm-hmm. right? I started to put things in my life and I started to unlearn some of the things. But mm-hmm. one of the biggest things that I put out there was like, yo, I'm going to treat everybody like family. Not easy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's brought so much joy into my life mm-hmm. because, like you said earlier, I'll leave that quarter right? Mm-hmm. Knowing that. Somebody like Brandon's gonna come up later and not have a quarter. And I've done that at Audi, man. And I right. gotta carry my groceries around. It's a big deal. Yeah. But I, I, just, I just see people, right? And yes, I see their color. Yes, I see their religion and all those things.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't let it stop me from loving
2: them. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I see felons. I see people who have been on drugs. Mm-hmm. I see people who've hurt people. But that's what humans do. It doesn't, I know that. You know, mm-hmm. the, the number that's been from test of times, we've done those things, right? Mm-hmm. So if I know that, I have to set my mind and say, I'm still going to treat them like people. Right. And love them. And I think that we need more of those kind of conversations. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Yeah.
0: yeah. And I mean, I always, I always say that if you can take, there's no need to to throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? right? right. And, and even obviously there's some, some issues in the division and, and the corruption that, there's, there's lots of problems to point to and anything that involves humans is going to have that, right? (laughs) Yes. Um, but just to once again, get back to that basic principle, you matter, uh, love thy neighbor kind of what you're just speaking to that once again, it's a, it's a religious saying, but at the end of the day, it's, it's definitely, it's radical in a lot of ways because a lot of times your neighbor i think sometimes people take that too literally and once again someone who has a religious background i've studied this stuff intensively and you think well you know they ask jesus "Well, who's your neighbor you know that's a big question yeah and i think a lot of times people hear that and they're like okay like it's it's my tribe it's it's people around, you know it's it's just a person next door that i, that I got a good relationship right with. but it's it's just a word and the word represents something larger and in, your neighbor is everyone. And, everyone, you know, your neighbor is, is the person that steals from you, the person that hurts you, the the person that, that hates you. And that's not an easy thing to do, especially without religion. And it, it obviously can be done. And like I said, a lot of the reason I'm not religious today is because, and I, I won't get into it in too much depth, but a lot of the information arguments, literature that have been put in front of me that have shown me, okay, there is a way. To still hold on to these ideals without that particular framing um but at the same time it's still it's it's those basic principles of of just trying to, to empathize with one another to to treat people how you want to be treated and and to try to love everyone try to acknowledge that everyone matters and i think that in, in a way the best way to feel that way is within a religious context because if you if you feel like god for whatever that means to you is within everyone then of course hmm. uh of course everyone not everyone who's religious acts that way right you know i think that's something that people often point to who aren't where they're like what well if you really felt that way how, how do you think this how do you hate these people for this how do you you know uh if you really subscribe to this uh and that's where a lot of the pushback comes from right but um I don't know if you have something. You were just yeah, say oh, he's shaking your yeah, head.
1: Like, 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 it's it's funny. Growing up in the church and and it was that you know mm-hmm. you you, know, you had to wear certain clothes. Oh, God doesn't care about clothes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> doesn't matter. You know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just certain norms in the church. You know, and it was very judgmental. Mm-hmm. Um, my spirit never fit, fit with that because mm-hmm. I don't I don't think it's right. I don't think I don't think God's that small. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And so. Uh, it I think some, some sometimes the, uh, the church or religion is its own problem mm-hmm. because it is very restrictive, mm-hmm. um, and people fight back from that. And so, but you, we're dealing with humans. We're dealing, like you said earlier, we're dealing with human flaws, and those are always going to be the case. But I don't think we should ever stop ourselves from learning the principles and values and virtues that mm-hmm. can really help you in life, whether it's money, relationships, mm-hmm. sex, alcohol, drug, all that stuff's in there,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and. It, it teaches, you know, it's mindset. It's all in there, right. whether whether you agree with all of it or not, take the pieces that work for you and throw the West away. Mm. Is my opinion.
0: Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's, that's an important piece just to kind of apply holistically that yeah. I think as long as anyone's able to, to take, to take everything, uh, maybe that's not what I'm trying to say to, to just keep an open mind. Right. Open. And, and to, not close yourself off from other things. Uh, and I think sometimes that's something that's a that's a pit that people fall into within a religious context. It's like we're not even going to consider this. We're not even going to entertain this. We're not even going to engage this um for 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 a multitude of reasons. but as long as you're able to still try to see the broader picture and sure if if you if you give it a chance, you engage with it and you still feel like there's not a whole lot there, then, so be it. But if you if you get to a place where you feel like you're closing yourself off, you're building barriers, you're dividing yourself from others. That's where I feel like it starts to starts to have its problems. Where if it, there was a little bit more uh, just just open mindedness in general in any space that, that allowed people to to say okay, you know, to dine a la carte in whatever way they needed to, whether it be politically, religiously. Uh, economically even uh, it, it gives people the the agency the autonomy to to build a life that works for them and to to build a framework of the world that
1: that allows them to thrive I love what you said earlier about seeing the God in people and that I use that and we all do have that in us right and so I can see past your humanness and see the God in you and treat you treat you how to treat you based on that mm-hmm. and then having an open mind and open heart it's huge, man. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if I'm right about everything, but if, if you, if you come up to me tomorrow and you say, Hey, this is what's going on. I'm gonna listen to you because mm-hmm. it only takes one person to change your life. Right. You may come with new information that takes my life in a whole different direction. Mm-hmm. I don't want to miss that because I'm being closed minded of something that was taught to me at seven years old. Mm-hmm. That was actually generationally wrong, mm-hmm. but I'm stuck in that, in that, in that world. I don't, no, mm-hmm. so I'm always open to new information because who knows? I take stuff. I'm, Stoicism, love it, mm-hmm. right? No attachments, no expectations, right. and it really helps me, mm-hmm. right? Uh, stuff from Buddhism. Oh yeah, Dude, come on, mm-hmm. be still. All this stuff's there, and mm-hmm. so when you put it all together, it really works. It works for me at least. I don't mm-hmm. know if it would work for everybody, but you have to have an open mind.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think if you give people the opportunity to figure things out in that way, to to piece things together and to find value where they can instead of just rejecting anything outright or having visceral reactions to anything well, on either side of the table. You know, I think a lot of people have those sorts of reactions to religion that are, who, who are not religious, that they feel like anything in that category isn't, is valuable or helpful because of some of the problems that it has or politically. It's like, okay, anything that's this over here, can't be valuable because of the connotations that it has or the problems that it has. And it's, it's very limiting. And I get the, I get the inclination because it's, it's something that on a day-to-day basis, it's not like it, it's much simpler that way. You know, it's, it's much harder to, to try to sort through everything. And it's incredibly complicated and it can be frustrating as hell, you know, to to sit there on a day-to-day basis and to try to, try to have a nuanced, perspective on everything to try to read to you know re- read the bible read the torah read uh you know ancient buddhist texts to read all the important novels that are out there to to listen to all the great music to listen to all the great philosophers to you know it's it's imp- it's not impossible but it's difficult to to feel like as an individual with a finite amount of time on this earth to feel like you're always going to to be able to have a, a broad open-minded holistic perspective on everything that you encounter. And it it can be a tall task. And I think for me it's part of what makes life exciting, right? Is that you never know. And you always have to be ready to be wrong at at any given time and to reevaluate. But it's, I get it. Like it's exhausting. And if you've got three jobs, you've got kids you're trying to provide for, you've got problems that you're dealing with, you've got mental health struggles, you've got whatever. Yeah all that stuff seems very second order. And, and to me, it's it's kind of a privilege to to be someone who I feel like I have the time and space to try to think about these things uh, and to be a little bit on the fence on a lot of things because I'm, I'm pretty comfortable. Like it, it is what it is right. for, for all intents and purposes. I'm, I'm pretty fucking comfortable compared to most people. Right. And so I get, I get that a lot of people don't feel like they have time to sort through all of this or into, To just keep an open mind, but at the same time, I still I still want that for everyone. I still want there to be a society in which everyone feels like they have the time to sit down and and read some poetry, or you know, even that's kind of just a metaphor. But like, to it's great to explore their minds and to to see see what else might might be out there. But when you don't have that, it it makes sense to kind of hunker down with what you know and stick to a basic set of principles and just be like, Hey, this is, this is it for me.
1: I'm just going to know what I know and, and act accordingly. Yeah. I think, um, you hit, you hit on some huge barriers. Uh, I think life's supposed to be a journey. We're, we're supposed to be explorers. It's supposed to be an adventure, not in your two block radius of your home, you know, not Mm -hmm. just your one job. So, but there are obstacles, but I, I'll say this, um, One of the things I think that have helped me to be successful when talking to students Mm -hmm. is I don't give them the answers. Mm -hmm. My kids ask me all the time, hey, dad, what should I do? And I'm like, I don't know. How how would I know? Mm -hmm. Right? Right. How would I know what Brandon's supposed to do? Mm -hmm. I can ask you, Brandon, what do you want to do? Mm -hmm. And then try to fact find with you together and sit and talk about it. Right. But I don't have your answers. You do. Mm -hmm. And I I really believe that. And so I think when people understand that, Mm -hmm. that they do have all the answers. Right. But you have to be still. You have to be quiet. You mm-hmm. have to do all the work you were just talking about, and sometimes we just don't have the time. You have to go walk in nature. Mm-hmm. So, right. Those are the tools that I use, and I find the answers. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they're in, in, inside all of us.
2: Yeah, I, yeah, I, re- I, mean, I really, a-
1: I really do. You, you mentioned earlier how simple it, it's simple. I think we we make life. I don't want to say this, but we make life hard. Mm-hmm. It has to be more. No, I think it's pretty simple. Mm-hmm. I really, I really do. Um, so
0: yeah i mean i think it's a it's an interesting point and it's it's simple in the sense that if we there are certain principles at least from my perspective that if we if you just stuck to that yes you'd be fine yes uh and it's difficult to i guess that's where ideology comes into play where it's like you always want to have something that is flexible to some extent, right? That is evolving sure. that because that is life. The, the situations are always changing as a species, you know, we're evolving as a culture, we're evolving. And so it's nothing can truly be stagnant, even if like something like it's kind of a different debate, but like the constitution, right? That like, it's supposed to be a living document. It's supposed right. to be changing. It's supposed to be evolving. But in a lot of ways, we're kind of sitting with with some stuff that only made sense a couple hundred years ago. Yeah. Into um, a small group of people. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so even with that in mind, though, there are certain things that, sure, you're, you're going to have to, you're always going to face the complexity of life and life is incredibly complex and absurd and challenging, but if you have a principle, it's not right. And then that's kind of the, the <laughs> that's the difference maker that's- and it. Sure, of course, matters what that principle is. Sure, but at the end of the day, that is why I feel like things like religion or just having any sense of of ethics or or principles or uh, just a compass of any sort is so valuable. Very and right. sure, you can compare these things and be like, I don't, I don't think that's a very good set of principles. But at the end of the day, life for that individual who has a strong set of principles is simpler. You know, it is easier because you can face the world as it is and just go back to that and say okay i'm going to treat everyone how i want to be treated obviously that's not an easy thing to do it's not and that's a principle i i think it's a good one but if in every situation you acted
1: that way that's about all the guidance you would need so like, let's let's break that down do you feel like if we do that alone and i'm i'm doing that mm-hmm. and i'm getting in rooms mm-hmm. right people are accepting me i'm i'm doing all these things from just that one principle.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So if that that's always going to work, even when there's bad times, treating people well would never go away. Why is Chick Fil A so busy? Well, mm-hmm. because they close on Sunday, and they have a, they have a mission statement that's about people and their morals are in their business, mm-hmm. and a lot of other businesses mm-hmm. don't do that and go out of business. Principles, habits, disciplines.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think regardless of of how you feel about it, it's whether it's an individual or or a business like sure. like Chick Fil A that. Um having having a set of principles is valuable, right? And and, and you're not trying to appeal to everyone. Right. right. They Chick-fil-A has their target audience. Mm-hmm. They, they capture it well, incredibly well. Mm-hmm. And I think they also oh, sorry. Um, I think they also capture a lot outside of that because their product is so good, mm-hmm. <laughs> their customer service is so good. Yeah. So you get a lot of people who don't agree with the principles, right? Still show up. Uh, because they're also doing these other things well, but they also have captured everyone who does agree with their principles as well. So it's, as it relates to the individual, I think you can't please everyone, right? Right. You're not going to, and and to attempt to do that is just going to be frustrating because you're actually going to just slightly displease everyone. Yes. If you try to please everyone, uh, you're not really going to align with anyone. So you you have to some extent be true to who you are and what you what your principles are and sure, not everyone's going to agree with those. And I think it's so, I guess the limitation there, as long as you're not harming anyone else, as long as you're not infringing upon other people's rights, as long as you're not putting others down. But if you're, if you're doing something in a community that you feel like is, or well, that is generally positive, that is, is bringing you all together, but you're also, as we spoke to, keeping a certain amount of open-mindedness, um, I think it's a very good thing. And I think the people that, I guess it's, <laughs> it, it all comes full circle because as I mentioned earlier, it's a, it's a point of contention within me all the time where it's like, I know that community is such a powerful, important thing. It's very important. And it's something that is in a lot of ways falling away uh, in a lot of meaningful ways. And I think people are trying to find that in a way on social media, but it's different, It's different. And it's something that from an ancestral perspective is obviously so important and to have that tribe, right. To have those people around you that they care about you, that, that love you unconditionally, that you can have this small group. Now the idea is now, what do we do when we try to expand that group? When we try to make that all of humanity and we're not necessarily programmed for that, right? We're we're, we're programmed for the little group. Yeah. Um, but it's a wonderful thing in a lot of ways, and it's a beautiful thing. and some of the happiest people in life are, are the people that you know who live in these very very segmented, small, even segregated is a word you could use for it's these great communities, work. right? Like great it's, work. it's controversial. it's difficult because it's like, do you want that? But if everybody had that, would it be a good thing? You know it's it's this very difficult philosophical sp- space where these people seem to be living these these very good lives, these very fulfilled lives, these very enjoyable lives whether it be, you know, these, um, you know, incredibly traditional uh, Jewish people who, who live in these these very uh, isolated communities or, or Mormons or, you know, whatever, uh, not even necessarily Mormons, I, I guess I'm thinking Quakers, but they seem to be very happy people, right? And there's something there. You can't say that it's it's necessarily fundamentally bad and you kind of want that for everyone, but at the same time, it's like, do we feel good about segregation? Obviously not as a term for what it means to us in modern culture. Right. Um, but it, like I said, it's just one of those things where I, I have this, this tension in me all the time where I'm like, is it, is it good to have a tribe? Do you, do you need to have a tribe? Is it, are you creating a bubble? You know, as we talked about all these things earlier, it's, it's this weird balance where there's, a, I think there's a part of everyone that's just like, Hey, if I could just join a commune with just like my people that I could align with and we could just, love each other and and grow together and share everything with one another and and have no boundaries and judgment, that would be perfect. But how do we do that in a modern world?
1: I've got no idea. You know, it's it's tough. I think that um maybe you have tribe days and non-tribe days. I don't don't know. (laughs) Um me personally, and it's not the same story, but sometimes I'll go to a different location for my gym Mm -hmm. just to see a four different walls just to see different people. Everything's aligned different. So it stretches me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that's that's something small, but it also lends to me being able to go to different tribes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I like the tribes that I have, but you brought up Jewish people. They're very successful mm-hmm. at what they do. So there's a blueprint there of how you could build it without it being so tribal, so so village, so just non-inclusive, I guess, would mm-hmm. be kind of the word. But um, there's a lot of success that you can see, take from them. Mm -hmm. And how they, uh, Jewish, Amish, uh, you know, so those communities are thriving. Mm -hmm. And so you can take some of that and not have to live. So, right. So,
0: yeah. I mean, it's, it's one we could probably talk about to the end of time. Like it's, it's just a, it's a difficult one to, to, to sort through because it, there's, there's so much good there. And it's clearly what we are. in in many ways wired to do right is to have these small groups that support each other and that if you could have a group of 200 people that were your family yeah people don't have that anymore (laughs) and we were kind of that's what we're supposed to have and so it's difficult to have a handful of family members it's difficult to have a or even just a handful of people that you feel like are your family whether that be just close friends or or actual family or when something goes wrong or or you need help or you have questions or there's always someone there's someone who could help there's someone who has that expertise and we don't really have that no and i think some people have something closer to that than others certain communities certain cultures as we as we spoke to but obviously they have their problems too just like anyone and so it's like how how do we cultivate a sense of community in in a modern world without exclusion you know without true segregation uh, without closed mindedness that I mean it's it's a huge question. I'm not even necessarily asking you to, to give me the answer because I know you don't have it have no, it. There's but no, there's no answer. <laughs> um it's something I've been thinking about a lot and and just hoping to because part of what I want to do with this project is is cultivate more of a sense of community even just in, in my own life but yeah. in, in anyone that's listening that they feel like there's people on the you know wherever they are in the world who who are on here trying to share trying to expose themselves, show their insecurities, not be so tied up on, on the things that don't really matter, not be so tied to their identities, and, and just to come on and, and share who they are and share a bit about themselves and to offer their perspective in, in a way that a, that a tribe or a community might. And of course it's not the same, right? It, you know, it's, it's not, but
1: it's something we obviously want so badly. It, it helps. I think our stories, and we haven't talked about it, but our individual stories mm-hmm. can form kind of a community, especially if we let our guard down mm-hmm. and we share from a genuine space, which is a little tough to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that breeds community too, because people are people are at home suffering, saying mm-hmm. suffering in silence, right? Right. Oh, it's, it's just me. No, it's no, it's not.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> no, it's not. It's everybody, right. you know. And just I think hearing that, hey, I I messed up or whatever it is, I think that breeds community too. Even if that person's at home and they're not ready to come out yet and build a community, mm-hmm. they can get out of their head and say, "Hey, I'm not so bad." Right. But I think community is important. I think the best thing is to just demonstrate it and mm-hmm. and just just be open and and just build it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if there's any rules to how it should look or what works best. Mm-hmm. I did like the model that I grew up in, though. You know, I could go to any of my neighbor's house mm-hmm. and they would feed me. Right. You know, and that was that was just the way it was mm-hmm. i think it's changed a lot now right so
0: yeah and i mean in regards to how it's changed it's something i uh, just another front that i often have some some mixed feelings about because of course in in the modern day we try to find that online right we we try to find community on social media and in a lot of ways we do we do um but in a lot of ways we don't, and so it's, I guess, I I take maybe maybe an unnecessarily hard stance on on social media, and it's more it's more a personal decision for me because I feel like it's not that I necessarily like I think it's a it's a tool like anything else, and it, it's got a really high ceiling, really low floor, right, and it's definitely been interesting the past year especially as there's been more and more public attention you know with the social dilemma and, and looking at the pitfalls of some of these platforms and the misinformation and uh, cyberbullying all kinds of stuff where it's it's a very capable tool right and and but at the same time a lot of the people that I, Know for whatever reason, or was inspired by, whether it be through podcasts. Or I'm not really personally even on social media, but I know people that have become something that I could be exposed to through it that is influential and helpful to me. And so I, I personally don't use it, and I, I personally, I guess, in this context, I don't use it for the project, uh, because I, I because of my experience in the past that sure. it was something that I felt like did more harm than good for me. But I obviously see people out there doing a lot of good with it as well and, and being able to navigate it in a way that that is adding more to the the positive side of the scale. But obviously the negative is, is really, really there. And so I'm just kind of curious. I know it's kind of a long-winded and, and vague question, but I'm always curious how people like you kind of navigate that or think about the positive versus the negative, or, or the utility of it, obviously is ve- something that's very important to your message and what you do, um, and I definitely respect that. But at the same time, I'm just curious how you kind of think about
1: it, and is it ever something that you're like it's everyday struggle? Yeah, it is a tool, but it's whose hands, mm-hmm. right? So I guess it'd be different than a gun, mm-hmm. whose hands, you know, if you're if you're hunting and and, and feeding your family from that direction, mm-hmm. maybe that's okay. Right. But if you're shooting a human whose hands, I think social media is the same way. Now I use it a lot. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> I'm very intentional how I use it. I'm using it as you said to uplift people that maybe I don't know, mm-hmm. but I'm also using it to meet new people and then get in in real life community with them. Right, versus staying in social media community which can be you can hide. Mm-hmm. You know? I don't know where you're at. I don't know if those pictures are new, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't really like some of the things I see on social media. If I post the same posts, if I, if I use just words, mm-hmm. say I get 20 likes. But if I add my picture, I get 120 likes. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. Right. Right? It's, it's shallow. Mm-hmm. So I don't even like showing my picture on social media, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I don't share a lot of my private life. I think, my, I think that's why it's called private life. Mm-hmm. So I want my private life to stay <laughs> private, right? Yeah. So I don't, people always say, hey, why don't you share pictures of your family or where you're, who you're dating, all this stuff, mm-hmm. well, because it's my private life. Right, and if I let you in fully to my private life, then it would be my public life, mm-hmm. and I think you should separate the two personally for the mm-hmm. mo- for the most part. But I think social media it's it's difficult, man, and I don't think it's going anywhere. Right, right. I think it's going it's going to get worse. I think they're going to automate everything,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I, I don't know how to how I feel about that. I, mm-hmm. I don't I don't feel great about it, and I don't think we're ready for it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right, yeah. No. <laughs> I don't think we're ready for it.
0: No, I, I definitely agree on that front, at least. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's something I'm always kind of curious to ask people who are who are active in it, at least what I perceive to be a positive sense, uh, because it's something that I, I kind of go back and forth on, and I have the stance that I do, not even because I, I think it's how everyone should feel, but just because what my relationship has been to it in the past, and in those feedback loops, I feel like my personal mental health, it, it just oh, yeah. it can be upset. And, you know, it, it, as far as the we talk about self worth and, and value and self esteem and how easy it is to to get caught up in the why didn't that get more likes? Why didn't you know that <laughs> that kind of feedback loop? That um, it's tough. And once again, I'll i resist the urge to to dive into that too deep because anyone who everybody knows about social media, who's who's you know everybody knows that it exists in. Um, no, go ahead. No, I, I think
1: you... I think you're you're right. And I struggle, can I be as, mm-hmm. as a grown man, I look at some of my posts, I'm like, yo, this should be getting more likes. Right. Right. But over time, what I post is who I am. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if I get one like if I mean, what if I impact one person? Mm-hmm. And I had this happen a couple of times, but one one I can really remember, man, that really like brought out you asked earlier about defining moments was a student inboxed me, 14 year old, who was going to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. And he was like, because of what you said. Mm-hmm. I, I I found a way to not kill myself, mm. bro. That's like life change. I can never. I I, yeah. I I end up talking to him, but I like I never can forget his voice mm. and his words and like. So that's one life. Like right. that's I don't care about likes or mm-hmm. or comments or, you know, whatever. That's the work that I want to be a part of because mm-hmm. I, how much is one life worth? Right.
2: It's priceless. I'm yeah. wearing, I'm wearing yeah. it on my
1: wristband. It's priceless.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I can't be replaced. You can't be replaced. And so I think that you you mentioned it earlier. I'd rather sit face-to-face with you and have conversation. That's mm-hmm. important to me. I think that's the best way of living mm-hmm. because you can't replace a human-to-human energy. Mm-hmm. Um, social media is a great virtual thing for like when schools were closed, but it shouldn't be a replacement for face-to-face human contact. Mm-hmm. So gotcha. Connection. That's right. an even better word.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I like something that you said earlier, which is... I think maybe a relatively common uh, insight, but I feel like maybe not common enough, which is using that social media ideally is to be used as a means to establish in person connection. Yes. Which I feel like maybe was the idea at first. Right. But it seems very lost on it now that I think if used in that way, it could do so much good. Right. Absolutely. But so much of it just really exists in isolation now where it really has nothing to do with with at least for some the real world or real connection and i think if it's something i had thought about years ago but and of course i'm not the, the first one to think of it this way but that if there was a way to to maybe restructure these platforms that at least incentivize if not kind of mandated some some sort of translation between the virtual and the real yeah um i don't know exactly what that would look like but if there was a way to to make it more focused on that and i think that's what facebook allegedly tries to do but it doesn't seem like they really care that i think after a lot of that controversy came up that was something that they did kind of put their stamp on and saying like no this is what we're really about like we're trying to you know really lean into groups and and uh into groups and in, in the the positivity of of finding like minded people and and that possibly translating into the real world and right. I guess there's like Meetup or whatever yeah. something like yeah. that that maybe is a little more oriented towards that sort of thing but I guess that's the the version of the usage right. of social media that True. I feel like maybe has the most value and and something that is definitely hard for me to to overlook as a tool you know yeah. that. If it means establishing more real connections, if it means saving someone's life, if it means reaching someone who who otherwise thought that there was nothing left for them, uh, it, it it's hard to feel like it's not worth anything at that point. Like you said, it's priceless.
1: Yeah. So I'm I'm working on myself because it's addicting, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah, it, it just <laughs> is, man. So, but at the same time, I don't want to be in a restaurant in person with people. And you see it all the time. Mm. You got eight people at the table, and all eight are on their phones. Right. I'm assuming they're not working. You yeah, know? I'm assuming they're on social media. Yeah. But you're in the room with eight amazing people mm-hmm. that you should be, in, in my in my opinion, in community with, having real conversations with, instead of on your phone or taking pictures. And and I, I think that's the duality of social media right now. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I guess that's the difficult part from just
0: looking at the flip side that. But- the goal of these companies is to have you spend as much time on the platform as possible. <laughs> yeah. And if you were spending any time doing things in person, that's just time you're not on the platform. Right. So even if it is something that would be like generally net positive for people, it would affect their bottom line. It would affect what their goals are. So it's probably not something that's truly going to be incentivized on these platforms in and of itself, but it doesn't mean that people can't use it that way. Right. It just means that it's harder and that it, you, at least having the awareness, like you said, that this is how they're built. This is why they exist. They want you to, even when you're with your friends, <laughs> to yeah. be uh, watching the same YouTube video together right. <laughs> next yeah. to each other, you know.
1: I, I, I grew up, Brandon, where we played outside, mm-hmm. right? So I didn't experience. So I have both sets right. of lenses to look at. A lot of people don't, mm-hmm. this is all they know, right? right? And so th- so I can't go to them and say, hey, you might wanna go out and." like get in nature. And they're like, what? This <laughs> is all they know. Right. It's so nature on my phone. Exactly. <laughs> um, a whole different conversation. Mm-hmm. And so, just the awareness of it. Mm-hmm. It's very key. Very key. For sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I've I've certainly appreciated this conversation and your time this far. I do want to hit on one last thing before we wrap it up. Uh, it's something I, some version of the question that I like to finish on, which is just, if there was one fact, statistic, piece of research, anything on that front that you could just get into the hands or even the minds of, of every person on this planet. Uh, just one thing,
1: what would that be? So I, it's an absolute and there's twofold to it. Um, it's a little dark, but we're going to die. It's the fairest thing on the planet. Mm-hmm. Nobody's getting Nobody, I don't care how smart you are. I don't care what you, what you achieved. You're going to die. So that one truth absolutely is fair, and it's helped me to let go of things. Mm. It's helped me to live life to its fullest, Right. because who knows, mm. right? I don't know when you could, you, you could get called. Brandon yeah. could get called later and be like, "Hey, CK died," mm. right? And I want you to say, "Yeah, but he was on my podcast and he was alive." <laughs> but like that thing helps me not judge people and helps me speak my truth, and. Mm. Don't, don't let people form a life or put you in a box or any of that stuff, because all the things that, uh, to be honest, all the things that we're chasing, none of it's going with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Enjoy it while you're here, but have a healthy perspective that sometimes it's just not worth it. You mm-hmm. know, enjoy the people that you're around and and just, I don't know, just enjoy life in a holistic type of way.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's, that's my version of life. Um, yeah, I've, I've had both. Mm-hmm. This is much better for me. So. Yeah great question <laughs> I mean great answer
0: I yeah. think that's that's a wonderful message to even just a reminder to to just leave the audience with myself. that is it's it's always there and you just gotta live you know it's yeah. it's not it's not something to be worth being paranoid about no, be it's just not. it's a reminder and there's there's a scarcity of time there's a scarcity of resource, and you know use it wisely, yeah.
1: I'm sorry. And I should have said this too. This, if, if there was a second question, it would have been that they're not, there's three things they're not making any more of. Time, land, and us. So they're not making another Brandon, mm-hmm. right? That's kind of special if you just sit with it for a while. Mm. So something else to think about for people.
0: Yeah. I like that.
1: Yeah. So. All right. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, I mean, thanks for coming on. Thanks for making it happen. I know you're a busy man, but I've honestly enjoyed this This a lot. This is what it's about, man. I'll tell you what. (laughs) This is all what it's about. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, I'll let you get out of here, but thank you all for joining, and uh, we'll see you next time.